kitties, books and movies. Yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. Hey, just warning you guys, we're going to spoil this book. <laughs> okay, hi. 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 Welcome to Book Sparkles. Thanks. We're back from New Orleans. We're all in our normal places again. Mary has her car. Mm-hmm. Ariana Grande has called Emily and Kelly to ask about official backup vocals contracts. She actually sued us for <laughs> using her content in the episode without permission. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, honestly, good luck getting money from us. <laughs> I karaoke this past weekend. You might be happy to know. Um, I shouldn't have. Hmm. Wow. So you karaoke with other people, but not with us? I wasn't drunk enough when you guys did it. I have to be in a certain spot, and let's just say I regret it, and so does everyone that saw it. Nah. Anyway, though. I doubt it. Here's the thing. I don't think people care as much as you think they do. It's my feeling. I don't know, because it was was such a blur, honestly. Okay, well, here's what's up. Um, We're going to be talking about The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner. And so, to kick that off, that is set in a women's prison, I was wondering, what would your prison nickname be? Oof. It's a pretty similar question to band names, Mary. <laughs> that was a hard one, too, for me. I'm not good it at It was your names. question. I know! I had time <laughs> to think about it, and it was still hard. Well, when I was in high school, this is Kelly, I um, gave my name... Or my, gave my name, gave myself the nickname Baby Brownie. <laughs> Why? So I'm going to stick with that. Why? Because <laughs> I liked Little Debbie Brownies. Oh, my God. And we were, it was around the time that we were writing in each other's yearbooks and everyone, like, had nicknames for each other. And I was like, I don't have a nickname, so why don't you guys just write Baby, Bra- Baby Brownies in my yearbook a bunch of times? And some people did it. I also really like that you said Little Debbie. Even though it is definitely Little, little Debbie. Little Debbie. <laughs> um, I contest <laughs> this. <laughs> that was, you made it like more prison. <laughs> well, I feel, <laughs> first of all, nothing could be more prison than Little Debbie snack cakes. <laughs> Second of all, I'm, I feel like it's, it's probably, you're probably right. I'm just, it is Little Debbie. <laughs> Who's next? I'm pretty sure Mary's name is Annihilation. Oh, my God. Oh, that would be an awesome name. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone would be like, ooh, Annihilation. That sounds like a super tough prison gal. She's, She's going to mess me up. People. But really, I'm just going around like, have you guys heard of this book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm performing the book for everyone in prison. <laughs> Sort of like that episode <laughs> of um, Parks and Rec where Chris Pratt just acts out all the movies. Yeah. That's going to be you. It's going to be me, but with Annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to have a thing to do. Yeah. Or you'll get um, so, Emily? I mean, honestly, if I were in prison, I'd probably just be crying all the time. Um, I mean... I was just reading about it, and I was like, no, I could not hang with this. I gotta stay on good behavior, because 
mm can't do this. Cannot do, like, cavity searches. So Emily's <laughs> nickname is Sad Bitch. Yeah. That works. <laughs> <sighs> Appropriate. What were you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. Something to do with crying. It could be the crying. Oh, she's crying. She's crying. <laughs> We're making fun of my grandmother right now. My mama. Oh. <laughs> I was like, is this a thing? In a, crying. In a loving yeah. way. But yeah. It's very funny. Um, hey. So, hey. Uh, I'm Susan. I just thought of this because of rhyming and like poetry and stuff. Not poetry, just rhyming. My dad used to always <laughs> yeah. say, Susan, you're cruising for a bruising. So <laughs> I'm going to say bruiser. Oh my god! Even though, like, I'm the least nice. tough uh, nice, person nice. probably in the whole prison, besides you guys. <laughs> um, are you saying that you're tougher than me, baby? Baby brownies? <laughs> then baby someone who shortens little Debbie to Lil Debbie? I don't think <laughs> no, so. No, you're probably the toughest. Um, of I'm the four of us, tough. not of it the takes whole a true rebel to shorten little Debbie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about this other girl that goes to prison. This other white girl that goes to prison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I said, we read The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner, which takes place in a women's prison. Um, And this here is the Goodreads summary. This here summary here. (laughs) This here. It's 2003, and Romy Hall is at the start of two consecutive life sentences at Stanville Women's Correctional Facility deep in California's Central Valley. Outside is the world from which she has been severed, the San Francisco of her youth and her young son, Jackson. Inside is a new reality, thousands of women hustling for the bare essentials needed to survive, the bluffing and pageantry and casual acts of violence by guards and prisoners alike, and the deadpan absurdities of institutional living, which Kushner evokes with great humor and precision. Great humor. And that's, like, really (laughs) all it said. Yeah, I know. I was like, hmm. I mean, there are some moments of humor but would yeah. you call it moments of humor or great humor? Would I like <laughs> that? Sounds like it's hilarious all the way. Yeah, like would yeah. I would I classify like humor as one of the main things I think about when I think of this book? No, I'm trying to wrap <laughs> my head around deadpan absurdities. I mean, wasn't it hilarious when that girl was giving birth and no one was helping her? And yeah, that teenager. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So funny. Anyway, so that doesn't explain a lot. Although this isn't really a plot-driven book, so it's not like we really have to get into a ton of plot explanation. But we should probably say more than just there is a person in prison. Um, Romy Hall is a former exotic dancer um, who is stalked by a regular client at this club called the Mars Room. Um, and when she tries to get away from him and goes to a different city, he follows her. And the reason she's in prison is because she murdered him <laughs> and got a really harsh sentence. Cause I feel like two life sentences is kind of overkill. Cause one. So wait, why did she get two? I don't know. Cause she endangered a child. Was that it? That was what the extra six years was for. So it was okay. two life sentences with an extra yeah. six years. <laughs> For endangering a child. Her child. Yeah, her own child. So she also has a young boy who I think is seven years old when she goes into prison. Um, 
and he stays with her mother, who promptly dies as soon as she gets to prison. So then he goes probably into foster care, but she never really for sure finds out exactly what happens to him because um, she can't. And one of the many very depressing things about her life. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the circumstances surrounding her getting there. Do people want to add to this? I mean, I would say, like, the that pretty much covers the plot, but the book isn't about plot, like right. you said. It's kind of like wandering around, and you learn a little bit about all the different women in the prison, and... Also, like, we get these men's stories for some reason, which it's interesting that, like, that barely comes up when we're talking about this book, because, like, every time it happened, I was kind of like, why are we, why? I understood a little more why there was the inclusion of the teacher um, at the prison, because he kind of, like, had a, you know, not, like, a, a, not a relationship, but, you know, like, him and and Romy were, you know. He had a role to play. Yeah, like, they were communicating and stuff. Whereas, Mm -hmm, like, there's this whole side story with this character named Doc, who is, like, the, like, ex-lover of one of the women who's on death row. And, like, we just get, like, multiple chapters from his perspective. And I... Uh, uh, We get multiple chapters of him, like, thinking about masturbating is what it's like. (laughs) Yeah. And talking and being like, it's not gross. If you have an erection and there's no one to like stick it in, like, what do you think you're gonna do? You know. So that was nice. There's no one to stick it in. Well, I mean, basically. Yeah. You know, that's what he no, said. No, Also, he was like the chorus of men jacking off across <laughs> the prison. <laughs> yeah, and then awful. And then his whole thing was like, yeah, I murder people, but usually it's just bad people who are child predators. But also so sometimes okay. innocent. He's practically Dexter. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Yeah, I mean that was my least favorite. I just, yeah, I didn't understand why that was there at all. Yeah, I just, yeah, I didn't seem to have much of a other than like the superficial connection to one of the other characters who's not even a main character. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't really work for me. Yeah, well, we won't spend a lot of time on him because I wrote no questions about him. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that that was there and that it's kind of interesting that um, that's part of the book, but really has not. If we're just looking this at this book as far as like what happens in the book, that really has nothing to do with it. The no plot. Bearing. We could talk about that we get um, Romy killing um, Kurt Kennedy from Kurt Kennedy's perspective and not from hers. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, and that's the first time we really hear from him in the entire book is toward the end the when we find out what happened. The only time, yeah. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. choice that we got it from him instead of her. Yeah, it was another like needless male perspective that's just like this this jackass male character has thoughts and feelings too but wait they're all terrible and he sucks (laughs) and it's like it's just confirming what i already like could have assumed about this character i mean i i could have cared but those characters weren't really developed i mean i would argue a lot of characters weren't developed like i didn't care about a lot of the women either well because the thing is like Mm -hmm. it was mostly from romy's perspective like Probably like seventy percent, and then 
there was like the probably second most used perspective was the Gordon teacher. Hauser. What's his name? Gordon Hauser. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Gordon Hauser, which like confusingly he is referred to as both so often that I couldn't tell which one was his last name or first name. But um we get a lot of him too, but then there's maybe like one chapter perspective from one of the other inmates that she's friends with, mm-hmm. Sammy. There's and then her cellmate too. Like right like early oh, on. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, really, like, I don't know how much we can really even say about those besides, like, questioning what they do. But, it's yeah, it's mostly from hers, except for, really notably, I think, <laughs> the murder, <laughs> which is from him. Yeah. Um, and I thought after we heard that that we were going to hear, like, Romy's side of it, and it was going to be different, or it was going to, like, reveal something... I don't know, like, more shocking about that murder, but it never, it wasn't even there. It was, we just got him dying from his own chapter. Yeah, I... Right, which we already knew how it happened. reviews were like, she discovers the shocking truth of her, readers discover the shocking truth of what happened to Kennedy, and I was like, oh, oh, is it shocking? And I was like, did I miss something? Well, I thought it made it sound like no. um, that it was, I don't know, I guess I was expecting it to be more of a an obvious self-defense type of killing where, mm-hmm. like, he literally, like, was coming at her to kill her and then she killed him. Um, mm-hmm. Which maybe mm-hmm. that's why it's told from his perspective, because it's not as self-defense-y <laughs> as you think it might be. I mean, he is waiting yeah. in her home after stalking oh. her for a long time. I don't blame her <laughs> for her <Yeah>. actions, <laughs> but it definitely, like, no. as much as she talked about, like, her attorney letting her down and yeah. stuff, I thought it would be more, like... Clear. Yeah. But, yeah, still, very harsh sentence. Um, actually, one of the reviews I read today was, like, uh, I've been a prosecutor for a long time, and, like, that's a crazy sentence <laughs> for, like, anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, how important was this dude that he's worth two life sentences? I mean, maybe because he's a veteran, but... And because he was disabled? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe that would make it seem worse, but... He also uh, was a stalker? Yeah, he's also a crazy... He's also yeah. an unstable... Yeah, stalker. but I guess, like... Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, Mary, you're, you're the disability expert here. <laughs> I mean, is there like a thing where I don't know, like disabled people, it's it's harder for us to view them as threats, and they seem more like vulnerable, and that could maybe have something to do with yeah. the way. Yeah, I mean, it could. Like, I think definitely right. his age probably and his disability would get him mm-hmm. painted as like oh he was just an innocent old dude who didn't he couldn't have hurt her if he wanted to and then that could be used right. to like build up a stronger case against her I guess too like we don't really know what kind of evidence people had or didn't have you know we didn't see like a whole lot of courtroom stuff yeah. This was not a courtroom drama. <laughs> this was a 
jail. Unfortunately, because I do love a good courtroom drama. I feel like I that would have been more interesting. Um, and I think, um, you know, the the narrator, well, Romy says a lot about or alludes to the fact that like she didn't kind of get a fair shake, probably because of you know the type of job she had and you know her class and all this stuff and you know like I almost feel like we probably could have seen more of that if this had been a courtroom drama rather than just like having her like flash back to that a whole bunch and just like think about it Mm -hmm. let's just make this a different book anyway well I do love a courtroom drama but (laughs) <laughs> this is a this is a prison um, yeah. I'm not even going to say prison drama it's like a prison character study um, but so Rachel Kushner spent time with some inmates and in prison and then with one lady I guess after she was out of prison for a while um, and we can link to this article that I read but, like, Candy Pena, for example, that character that killed a child, like, while she was high, is based on a real person who's, like, I guess if she ever is executed, she's going to be, like, the first woman since, like, the 60s in California to be executed in real life. Um, anyway, just fun facts. Just um, super fun. And none of us have ever <laughs> been to prison, um, as you heard from our nicknames. But um, I wanted to ask, like, what we thought about the the atmosphere and like did the prison itself and the characters in it seem real and like how does it compare to other stories and stuff that we have seen or read that are set in prisons i'm like orange is the new black is one of my like only other kind of women's prison references yeah that's really my only yeah. other reference point <laughs> yeah i could not get into that show so i don't know if you have seen uh. On Netflix, there's, like, a relatively new reality show called Jailbirds about young women serving time, and it's just, like, following them in their day-to-day life. And I watched a couple of episodes of that show, which was really interesting and good, like, just shortly before we started The Mars Room, And there is a whole scene, and what initially got me interested in the show was there's a scene of them passing stuff through the toilets Mm -hmm. and talking through the toilets, and then that's something that comes up in the Mars room. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I guess this is legit. And you were like, man, I'm an expert at this. Mm -hmm. Although Jailbirds went into so much more detail about how you do that. Oh, God. I really want to watch that You gotta bail the toilet out. Oh, man. It sounds gross. (laughs) There were people like, uh, there was one girl who had a relationship with a dude on the men's floor by talking to him through the toilet. (laughs) It's not funny. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Did they have toilet sex? Like, phone sex, but through the toilet? That sounds bacterial. Um... Well, you're not having sex with the I know, toilet. But just you're the using the toilet that as a... You're that even involved with a toilet. Like I couldn't talk through a toilet. That's like, yeah. Yeah, you're like leaning no, towards the toilet to talk into it. Um, <laughs> also, people are eating <laughs> and drinking stuff that went through the, the toilet. toilet as well. It's wrapped up and like sealed as best you can. But like, yeah. but how good can you seal it? Yeah. Well, the only I guess now that you said reality show, then Never I thought enough of um, for me. sixty days in on. A&E. Did anyone watch that? Mm-hmm. Nope. 
Okay, so it's like a group of people, mm-hmm. like regular old people go undercover um, in a prison for 60 days just to like see what it's like, I guess. For um, kicks? But the whole reason that I watch this, or I, I mean, it's jail. It's like shorter term, I guess, stays. But um, the whole reason I watch it is because the jail is my hometown <laughs> jail. <laughs> so I literally like saw oh people God. I went to high school with on the show while I was watching Oh my gosh. Yeah. Real what? seriously. I was like, oh I would have watched. I won't name them on here. That's amazing. But um yeah, just the stuff that I guess really like seemed kind of true and realistic based on like those things were like the kind of like trading and like sort of hustling for every little thing and mm-hmm. kind of getting like a guard or someone who works there like on your side a little bit. Yeah. Um, right. Well, I mean, speaking – and, like, le- as you said, for me, too, Orange is the New Black is really my only thing that I've, like, spent a lot of time with that is prison-related, you know. Um, I haven't watched the latest season, but I've watched all of the other Yeah, ones. me neither. I haven't either. Uh, but I also And like it, so. I really like that show. I just – I don't know why I haven't watched the latest season. I just, like – yeah, but – it's. I think it's really good, and and I thought about it a lot while I was reading this because that's a show that starts out with mm-hmm. a, um, you know, white female main character, and then as the show progresses, it really like mm-hmm. moves away from her and gets into a lot more interesting <laughs> uh, characters and and character dynamics and group dynamics, and there's a lot of like really interesting stuff about like you know how race mm-hmm. operates within a prison and and how like groups of people form and like different factions and um but like a lot of it was similar with like the trading and like different people having jobs jobs sucking like yeah um like that show actually like it's funny is pretty similar like similar to this book i would say (laughs) uh except for a lot less yeah, it's, like, actually funny. Actually funny, <laughs> um, I think, develops characters more. I mean, I think, like, yeah. on Orange is the Damn Black, you're asked to sympathize with these characters, especially, like, as the show goes on. You're like, oh, wow, these are, like, real people in prison, and sometimes people who aren't, like, <laughs> total pieces of crap go to prison, and maybe the system's broken. I don't know. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. with the Mars Room... I was like, well, I don't necessarily think Romy deserves to have two life sentences, but I do think she deserves to go to prison. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the system's failed everyone, but, like, I, I don't feel like the characters are developed enough for me to feel that same level of empathy. Yeah. I don't know if it's even really asking for that kind of empathy, though. Yeah, I don't think it really is, and that's what... That's where I feel... Like, I'm not sure how, like, what I'm supposed to take away from this book, because it doesn't seem to be, like, asking you to feel sorry for people. Anything. It doesn't, yeah, it's not, I don't know what it wants me to feel. Other than, like. It's just really, it's like, here are some depressing things, but it's told in such a way that's, it's very, like, deadpan. You don't feel emotionally, I didn't feel emotionally attached to what was happening. Yeah. I, thinking about deadpan is, like, a great word to describe it, I think. Have, did any of you listen to the audiobook? I did. I listened to some of it on audiobook. Um, How? I didn't. Let me, just, yeah, let me just fucking say, 
For the most part, let's not let authors read their audiobooks. Oh, did she read it? Yes. That was her? And she was reading it in MFA yeah. voice the entire time. Here we go. In what voice? MFA voice. Here we go. Ready? Let's do this. I'm just going to open up oh, to MFA a page. I'm gonna... I was like, who's MFA? I didn't even know that it was MFA voice. I'm going to do it. That is not do it for that voice, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This is from page 137. I just picked a random paragraph. You don't have to look, but just in case you're like, man, what a paragraph. I don't know. I just picked a random paragraph. This is how it sounds. Johnny Cash was a cokehead, which was another thing he and Doc had in common. The singer had the creases in his face, that gaunt strained look of exertion, like you see on a track athlete clearing the hurdle, but it's from freebasing all night. That's how the entire book was read. It's oh, very accurate. Thank you. Thank you. That's very accurate. I'll be here all night. That's it was awful. not ideal. I let me let me put it this way. I listened to about two and a half hours of the audiobook while I was moving stuff for the department and just kind of like doing mindless physical labor. So it was like great time to focus on an audiobook. And then like I couldn't understand what was going on because I was so hung up on her voice. I think it it's also really she doesn't do a great job like voicing different people either. So when it does switch She doesn't do when a it job. does switch to someone's someone else's perspective, it's not clear. This is why you should get somebody who's like their job is like reading or acting yeah. to do it. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um it wasn't like but a then great audiobook. I picked it up. However, at my local library. I did actually. I mean, I I, I have a lot. I got it at the library, too. I should have gotten it at the library. Because um, <laughs> I just listened to the whole thing. Because now I get to return it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Damn, Kelly, we're not rating it yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually did feel, like, attached to Romy. Like, I, I wanted to keep listening um, to find out, like, what her actual like, the real circumstances around her crime, but I was really kind of let down when I did find out that it wasn't that interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I wanted more of that story. I mean, her... And I think her backstory could have been interesting, but we don't get, like, mm-hmm. major, major details about it. Um, like, I wanted more uh, strip club shit, for real. Yeah. I wanted to know more about the Mars room itself. I wanted to know more about her relationship with her mom. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I really very, would have liked more of that. I was very confused about the relationship with the mom. And I mentioned this to Kelly because, as y'all know, we always have yeah. our side chats. But I was like, I feel like the entire <laughs> characterization of her relationship with her mom is just, like, randomly saying she was off with whatever guy she was dating. Like, whenever we need to, like, just sort of, like, phone in that, like, oh, she wasn't present, it would just say something. Whenever you're wondering, like, where is her mother? She was off with whatever guy <laughs> she was dating, which is such a, like, cliche thing, I feel like. And just, like, based on what we know about the mom, that, like, she wasn't there, or she wasn't really present as a mother for her child, but it seems like she was for Jackson, at least did a better job with Jackson. Um, the fact that she was willing to take Jackson in at all, it just made me curious, like, I feel like there's something more nuanced going on there than just, like, yeah. the cliched, like, my mom dated a bunch of people and cared more about her boyfriends than me thing that we get. Right, and, like, 
you don't get like how she went from being that person to being the person who is like you know taking care of her grandchild and bringing him to visit his mom in prison and like actually doing a good job yeah like yeah i would have liked more of that stuff and less of like doc Mm -hmm. or like cut all of doc out if you gotta yeah i mean he was actually pointless and then also there was a lot of um just like like no book has ever made me want to go to california less than this book (laughs) like i was gonna say yeah it makes san francisco sound like hell a real dumpster fire yeah (laughs) i've heard it's great i've never been but i heard it's great but I wonder if that is, like, the effect of being sort of, like, part of the underbelly of any hometown yeah. kind of situation. Like, she was using drugs back then and, like, was seen, like, kind of like a wayward teenager. And I wonder if this is just, you It's know, not the that's tourist how, like, part. Right? Oh, my gosh, Mary, were you in the underbelly of Soperton? There is there was a guy who went on a like reality singing show once from Soperton, and he was like, "Everyone does drugs and waits to die." Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> I was I like, remember wait, you where was that? that. <laughs> That's the underbelly. That was the underbelly yeah. that you were missing you out just on. on the belly. Yeah. You were on the upper belly. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of books do this about like mm-hmm. the hometown place i mean like the gunners was kind of like that as well like that place sounded depressing as fuck too but at least it had some like nice nature like there was like a couple (laughs) of nice things about it like i feel like this literally sounds like everything about san francisco is like a fucking like like dystopian hell pit nightmare it's like And it's like you it's like every corner has like twelve like eight year olds smoking crack and like fucking each other or something. Like it it was like horrific sounding. Like the descriptions in this book of literally everything are so bleak. Like But I think often like well written bleakness. Like I actually enjoyed reading that stuff as not like on a ooh that sounds fun Let's go. level, <laughs> but like I was just getting. I felt like I was a getting, lot of it was good. <laughs> I was getting too annoyed because I was like, and I Emily and I also discussed this, where like there's this feeling of like her character so hard, and, like yeah. And I just felt like kind of the way that I feel whenever I'm reading like Chuck Palahniuk's writing, where everything yes. is shitty yes. and blah blah blah, and everything's gross, and I'm everything's bleeding. It's like, <laughs> It's like I just gritty, like, but so gritty that it's like, like am I shocking well you yet? Like, are you yeah. shocked? I read a yeah. Okay. It's like when things are so shocking, they're not shocking. Where you're just like, okay, now you're just vomiting on the page. I read page. a lot of Chuck Palahniuk yeah. in high school, so. so I feel like I'm desensitized to it. So I was like, this is fine. Yeah, I read some, and I was like, this is bad. But <laughs> well, I think that's the point is like it doesn't take very much to get desensitized to it because yeah. like it's so overdone. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, so even though like I don't think it's badly written, like I don't think this book is badly written, but I think like I couldn't even appreciate the writing because I was like so turned off by I don't know the the method of description, I guess. I- <laughs> 
I'm developing the opinion, and I don't think this is fair of me, and Emily, you can tell me if you agree or disagree, because you're the actual actual fiction writer. Oh, okay. But, like, I'm it. developing the opinion that, like, anything that's <laughs> categorized as, quote, contemporary literary fiction, to me just sounds like, what MFA program did you come out of, though? Um, I mean... Like... I think that there's a lot of that. I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. I don't think it has to be that way, but... I think we have read several books like that, though. Yeah. But I think we've read some books that didn't... That Mm -hmm. didn't quite feel that way. That were also Mm -hmm. still contemporary literary fiction. I mean, when you call Station Eleven literary fiction, I know it has some, like, dystopian elements, Mm -hmm. but I would still say it's literary I would it say is, but it's like doing some other. I don't know. But that's the thing. Like, good books are like, doing so more than genre. just being literary. You know what I mean? Like, good yeah. li- literary fiction isn't just literary. Like, it has other shit happening, like a story, or like an interesting idea. Yeah. And I would argue that like Fruit of the Drunken Tree doesn't yeah. feel super MFA e. Or you know, True. it like at least. In the moments that it does, it's well done. Yeah. You know? But it's hard to... Yeah. I mean, your mileage may vary, I guess. I guess that was just, like, the feeling I was getting while reading, and especially while listening. Well, because she was reading an MFA voice, for sure. MFA. MFA voice. (laughs) MFA. Fucking MFA. Susan, I feel like we've totally hijacked. No, it's okay. Discussion. Um, you I came think, in with a plan, but I, well, since we're talking about writing, I'm going to skip to this question with the quote in it because I think this is like a place where it sounds like Kushner like really tries to get at like the book trying to say something, and I just want to know mm-hmm. if we think it is saying anything mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what page this is on because I heard it and then I just like. Googled it and then found the whole quote. (laughs) Um, Okay. The word violence was depleted and generic from overuse, and yet it still had power, still meant something, but multiple things. There were stark acts of it, beating a person to death, and there were more abstract forms, depriving people of jobs, safe housing, adequate schools. There were large-scale acts of it, the deaths of tens of thousands of Iraqi civilians in a single year for a specious war of lies and bungling, a war that might have no end, but according to prosecutors, the real monsters were teenagers like Button Sanchez. Button. What did, what did Button do? Button is the teenager she, that had the baby. They beat yes. up a Button. and beat to death, I guess, a kid who they were trying to rob, an Asian kid. Right. Her and her friends, I guess. But she was 14. I, I mean, I think this quote is trying to say, look, there's a lot of terrible, violent things in the world. Is the worst thing out mm-hmm. there really yeah. this 14-year-old? Like, should we be treating her so harshly? Should we be treating these women of the prison so harshly when a lot of them have justifications yeah. Yeah. for what they did? And I think a lot of things that people are incarcerated for, Drugs. they shouldn't be, especially, like, people of color who are incarcerated for, like, very, marijuana. very yeah. minor drug charges mm. for, like, marijuana. You know, I don't think you should be incarcerated for that. Beating someone to death? Beating a kid to mm. death? Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you need to be in jail. 
Because this wasn't an accident. Like, Button didn't accidentally... Yeah. ...kill this kid. Like, she went in with the intention to rob him and beat him. I don't know. It just, like... It seems kind of flippant to say, like, well, people are dying in Iraq, so why should this kid go to jail? Yeah. It's hard. It's like two things can be true at the same time. I mean, I think it... it, I think the book is trying to make some larger comments about the justice system in general and the, and maybe a little yeah. bit George Bush. Um, yeah. Because it is 03. So, mm-hmm. which is, that's why I was like, um, you're clearly saying, like, that sounds like a voice coming from way yeah. in the future. Because, <laughs> like, we didn't know it was that endless <laughs> in right. 2003. Today we do. Anyway, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's trying to say some some bigger things but I don't know that it like fully succeeds in that and this feels like one of those moments where it's like hey in case you didn't know what I was trying to say like here's what I'm saying and I'm not that convinced Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I should be because like I know that the justice system is all kinds of fucked up (laughs) but well like that's the other thing is like you don't have to convince me of this like so I guess, like, if I were a different kind of yeah. person reading this book, this might be eye-opening for me. But, like, uh, like yeah. if you're a person who is paying attention to the world, like, it's pretty clear that the justice system is extremely fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like For other people, this might be eye-opening. But for those of us who have read Ad- Adnan's case... Right. Yeah, for those of us who have listened to Serial... Um, and Ravia Chaudhry's podcast. And I'm just saying. Yeah. For those of us who have professionally podcasted about uh, in a in Ravia a secret book. in a secret episode, <laughs> the lost episode, yeah, the secret the episode, the lost episode, it's still somewhere. I think I have it. Oh no, we lost it on purpose. Is lost. <laughs> well, we didn't release it for one reason because I think it might have been Mary's mic that was like really staticky. Well, and mine sounded. I had that like Bluetooth headset mic at the time oh yeah mine was really bad we were babies okay it was so a little baby podcasting. yeah i mean i'm interested in this issue and i think some of the most compelling parts of the book for me were when romy found herself faced with the task of like trying to get a lawyer and actually like mm-hmm. seeing her seeing her trial through you know she didn't have the, she couldn't get a good lawyer cuz she her family didn't have the money mm-hmm. and so she just gets this guy who's like working so yeah, many cases the he defender. doesn't really know what's going on the public defender and i mean that was compelling to me because i was like gosh this sucks and like imagining myself in this situation it would just be so hard to, you know, like, know, well, if I just had more yeah. money, if I just had more money, maybe I would have had a better lawyer. Maybe I would have gone to prison. Maybe, you know, you just, like, spiral out from mm-hmm. there. And I thought it was really interesting that he said something, too, which was, like, when she said, you know, like, I got stuck with you and you suck or whatever. And he was like, you know, actually, like, you're kind of lucky that you end up with, you know, a defense attorney assigned to you because some people are able to scrape up a little bit of money, but then they hire one of these, like, private attorneys who actually sucks and, like, the most they've done is work on, like, some kind of, like, tax fraud case or something. And then 
you know, then you wasted money and you're still fucked. So I thought that was interesting too. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think we can just go to that last question anyway, because we need to talk about what actually happens in the end. There is one more plot point, I guess. You guess. (laughs) Um, Okay. So toward the end, well, at first I was like, is she out or is this like a dream? You know, but okay. So Romy manages to get out of the prison yard while the guards are distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at first I like wasn't totally sure if it was real. And I don't know if that's because uh, of the voice that was reading it to me <laughs> or what. But yeah, but it's I mean, I think it is now. But at first I, I had to like rewind it and was like, so anyway, we're getting like at the end sort of like. A chapter of her running, um, you know, stealing clothes, stealing a car, escaping, interspersed with the story from her murder victim, stalker, um, and then back to her again. And at the end, she gets caught, as she kind of knows she will, but, um, or knows that she would, but... Okay, so she's, like, she's in the woods, she's been, like, sleeping in a tree, and she's reflecting on her son and what will happen to him, and then the police come for her, and she runs toward the light. Just, how do we feel about this ending? Like, did you feel like there was any hope here at all, or was it just, like, extra depressing on top of more depressing? I mean, I read it as depressing, but I would be interested in hearing an argument for hope if someone has that i think it's i think it's depressing like her walking towards running towards the lights they probably shot her right like maybe i don't know is that what we're thinking they don't say for sure but if you're running towards cops who are trying to apprehend you i don't know she is white yeah so. so that's the other thing I couldn't tell if she was, like, submitting to, okay, I'm going back, and that's what it is, or I'm gonna try to get them to shoot me. Yeah, I definitely think it's depressing, though. the really depressing thing is after that, there's sort of, like, a paragraph on its own that says, he is on his path, he being Jackson, I guess? He is on his path as I am on mine. The world has gone on for a long, long time. I gave him life. It is quite a lot to give. It is the opposite of nothing. And the opposite of nothing is not something. It is everything. What? I mean, so that is, I guess, where I thought maybe there was a little hope. And it's not for her, but it's for Jackson. Like, that maybe she is, like, making peace with either dying right now or dying in prison. One of the two. But... Saying, like, I I did this one, like, really huge thing, which was give this yeah. boy life, even though, like, she doesn't know his current status or anything. But, like, just right. knowing that, like, he's out there. And she kept imagining him being there, like, being able to look at the trees with her and stuff. Um, yeah. So I thought maybe that was, like, a little bit hopeful. But there's, like, so much surrender and... I don't know, in the end of that. But, like, what can she do, really, besides one of those two things? I don't... I agree that, like, giving someone life is not nothing. 
right? Like, it's great to be alive, I guess. But, like, saying, like, I didn't do nothing as a mother. Mm -hmm. I bore him. I'm like, (laughs) my mothers need to do more than that. I don't think she means, like, I did something as a mother. I think she means, like, there is something to show for my life because there is nothing. No one's going to see anything else besides that. I think that she is trying to find a little, like, glimmer of, like, well, even if I have nothing to show for the rest of my life and everyone completely forgets about me and anything I ever did, at least, like, he's out there existing. I don't think she's saying, like, well, I'm a good mom. (laughs) But No, no, no. (laughs) I think she has a hopeful moment, but I also think she's, like, delusional and hasn't had food or water in, like, two days. So... I don't know if she's just like, I see the light. Because she's, you know, basically dying. Yeah, I, I, this is like, I don't know if you guys ever had to read The Giver in school, but at the end of the book, there's sort of like this ambiguous, is it a happy ending? Is it a sad ending thing? And I was always the, oh no, definitely 100% this is sad. <laughs> So I'm just, like, maybe not inclined to look for the hopeful ending. Well, so do we think she died? Yes. Well, I mean, I didn't, and now I do. Honestly, you know what? This is this is just like The Giver. Because at the end of The Giver, he goes into a light, and you either think, like, oh, he's going into a city, and he's found civilization, but or But then there are dead. sequels to The Giver. So. Yeah, I don't... But she wrote those but- for money. Like okay, way later. But, okay. But there's they okay, they still exist though. Okay, well let's write this so we can move on to our feedback. Um Okay. I think I would give it a two and a half if I could give a half star. You can't but I gave it a two on Goodreads. I also gave it a two. I will be giving it a two. And I would not give it a half star. Well, well. I'm giving it a three. I like it more than I think that's fair. I mean, it's not like, uh, I don't think it was like objectively bad. No one should read it. It just kind of wasn't my cup of tea. It was a a book that I really struggled to pick up. I really, really struggled. I wanted, I mean, I wanted to like it more and I thought I would like it more. I picked it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but just because like these, the themes that I, thought we're going to like really kind of drive the whole thing are things I'm really interested in reading about. Mm -hmm. Um, And she sounded like a really interesting character, but we didn't get enough of that. So, I mean, it fell short, but I didn't hate it. Like I wanted to finish it. I didn't have trouble finishing it. Yeah. I, I think also I'm just like having a tough um, week and yeah. so for me, it was like, uh, I I had finished like half of it before last week, and then I was just like, I'm, I don't want to read this. Yeah. But I read it. But I was like, yeah. well, I mean, time yeah. does matter. Yeah. But every <laughs> time, 
Yeah. I mean, like, that's been me for the past two years with everything. I'm yeah. very impatient and have zero empathy for shit that, like, doesn't immediately I just, me. like, kept carrying so. it around with me. Like, I would carry it, like, into the living room. Like, I'm going to read now. And then I would go on my phone for, like, 30 minutes. And then I would carry it <laughs> into the bathroom and get in the bath and be like, I'm going to read in the bath. And then I, like, wouldn't pick up the book ever. And then I would get out of the bath. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's me every single night. Every single <laughs> night I get into bed with a book and I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna read this book for a little while before I go to sleep and then what happens is I play on my phone and then finally maybe if I'm not sleepy by then I'll pick up the book and read like a page and then I'm yeah, that's too. why I've been I do that audiobooking thing. almost everything because I cannot I don't know why but I can't seem to like pick an actual book up lately yeah but oh we're we're terrible as a book squad guys don't follow us well, but don't I have do what to we do, do crossword puzzles before bed. That's a thing I really like to do before bed. And I do so, that too. But sometimes I want to do both things, but I can't. Like I'll just commit to the crossword. <laughs> yeah. Then I'll never read. I often read bachelor recaps nice. before bed. Not my own, mind you. Other <laughs> recaps, but I mean, I'm not opposed to reading my own, yeah, but well, I do I mean, branch ours out. Are, like pretty good, but yeah, they are. Shameless okay. plug. We'll get to that well, later. Hey, did we did we do a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode? Probably not. Nope. Ugh. Hey, just warning you guys, we're gonna spoil <laughs> this book. Emily can insert that later. <laughs> yeah. FML. All right. Well, we made it through this. I'm sorry that it wasn't a smash hit, but sometimes it's just not. But it was great. It happens. It's okay. You know what happens? You pick a book, and you know what? Honestly. Think about how boring our podcast okay. would be if, if every single everything. time we were just like, this was such a great book. We loved yeah. it. That's why I, mean, I, I would hate us. the ones that people don't love. <laughs> no, y'all didn't like the book that I'm I picked so, up. So. Uh, I feel like I've been like striking out. I just really want to like pick one I love, you know, for my own sake. Not that it's I care hard. what you I fuckers mean, think. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to pick a book that you'll love just in general. Like how many times do you read a book and think like, I love yeah. this? Does not happen very often, unfortunately. Which is like, why do I love to read so much? <laughs> <laughs> because when you do find that book, it's so good. Well, yeah, I haven't even seen a movie I really liked in a long time until yesterday when I finally watched Us. So oh, that's so, so good. You know what else you should see so is Booksmart because you will love it. Okay, I Go think see it. I, it looks like something I would love. So you will love I'll it. Do it. I think Suspiria just, like, ruined movies for me for, like, six months. I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. All right. Well, let's talk about feedback about a book that we rated higher than this one. And that was an absolutely remarkable thing. I mean, I barely rated that book higher than this one. Well, the rest of us do. Yeah, on average, if you average the squad rating. Um, Yeah. So we have a lot... Uh, Feedback for this book. And the feedback itself is going to contain spoilers. So warning... Additional spoiler warning for a book we've already spoiled the shit out of a couple weeks ago. And guys, in case you don't realize this, we do have a little table of contents so you can see when our discussion of this book is ending. So if you want to skip ahead, you can just check that out and then just click, 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 click ahead. Yes. You'll be great. But we're going to read a bunch of feedback. Also, the book. Did we say the book we're spoiling is an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green? I thought That's I did, weird. but okay. If not, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, we're going to spoil. Let's an say it again. 
Do not get mad at us. Right. Hey, hey, guys, we're going to spoil an absolutely remarkable thing. We just want to make sure you know. We don't want yeah. there to be any sort of, like, fuzziness about this. Like, we're going to spoil we're it all over again. It is an absolutely okay. remarkable um, thing. Mm-hmm. Bye. Susan had to put on her glasses Pink. for this. Let's no, go. I just realized they weren't on. I don't actually need them to see my computer screen. Um, not to brag. I have fine vision up close, but... Not to brag, but I can see my computer screen without glasses. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to brag, not but I can see everything away. without glasses. Um, all right, who wants to start? I don't ever wear glasses for anything. I definitely can't. Oh, man. I forgot. We have to read these. I'll do this first one. Um, so this is from Taylor, who uh, you can find her online at, at the reader Tay. Taylor... Thank you so much for writing in. I'm sorry I did condense your review a little bit because it had so many, like, it was honestly a great review, but it was just, we got a lot. This was, like, one book that we chose that lots of people actually read. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I condensed it a little bit. But Taylor says, I was hesitant to read the book as I am not a John Green fan. Obviously, Hank Green is his own person, but I expected some influence from John, especially since this is a debut novel. This book was far from perfect, but I enjoyed it overall. Below is my review. The Good. The exploration of internet and influencer culture was excellent. I enjoyed thinking about how constructed narratives affect our opinions, lives, etc. April was a well-crafted character, to explore this through. I feel that Green did a good job of presenting interesting ideas throughout the story without being too heavy-handed. Sorry, there's like some cat stuff happening. (laughs) Without being too heavy-handed. However, due to the heavy emphasis on currently relevant social media and internet culture, I highly doubt this book will hold up even a couple of years down the road. What are you doing? The bad. April is the only character with any true depth. Andy, slightly, and most others were extremely flat. I was really disappointed to see Maya used only as a tool for advancing April's character development without having much depth herself, aside from late in the book when we learned she's the proletarian. (laughs) It seemed like in the same way that April only uses Maya when it's convenient and helpful for her, the author used Maya as a tool to insert plot points that didn't fit otherwise. Their relationship had a lot of potential, but felt flat and often forced. The final cut, I gave this book three and a half out of five stars. It was a fun read with some well-presented ideas. However, I do not think it will stand the test of time. I would not be likely to recommend it to others unless they are interested in a speculative fiction book exploring internet and social media culture. Though many online sources classify this book as sci-fi, it's really a true contemporary with sci-fi light elements. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the episode. So clearly she wrote this in before she listened to our episode. Yes, she wrote it in before <laughs> the episode came out, but we've been saving it for the appropriate time. That's right. So again, thank you, Taylor. You can find her at the Reader Tay online. Uh, I kind of agree just briefly. Like, I agree that I don't know that this book is going to hold up well. Yep over the course of the years because it does seem like it's written for a specific moment social media wise and 
politically. And language-wise. Yeah. And I just... mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't... I don't know that I agree, because I feel like because it is of a specific time, it it could work in the future if we're reading it as something from this time period. Um... But yeah, it's That's it's hard fair. to know like, when you're talking about like because yeah, social media moves so quickly and the internet changes fast. So it's true. Like I don't read Victorian novels and think like, oh, what is this word? <laughs> yeah. But, or like stuff from the fifties. Yeah, because this book isn't saying like this is the future. It's saying like this is now with sci-fi happening. Yeah. It's hard to tell what's going to stand yeah. up in the moment. But those are some good thoughts. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much for writing in. Um, our next uh, feedback is from Ellis in Portland, Oregon. And Ellis wrote, she actually gave us feedback for both An Absolutely Remarkable Thing and Fruit of the Drunken Tree. But because we have so much feedback this episode, we're going to save... That Fruit of the Drunken Tree feedback for another more feedback light episode. For now, we will read. Because, you know, sometimes we'd be thirsty for feedback and... We'd be very thirsty. Um, All right. Hi, squad. Ellis here with more listener feedback, this time two books in one. Thanks for reading my Gunner's feedback. Mary did a very accurate impression of my whisper shout that made me laugh out loud at my desk at work. So kudos. (laughs) (laughs) On to the books. Book. (laughs) An absolutely remarkable thing. So I love this book and I tore through it in two days. It reminded me of several of my favorite books that are completely different and I found that intersection to be really interesting. Number one was Neuromancer by William Gibson. Gibson invented the cyberpunk sci-fi subgenre and coined the term cyberspace before the internet. His books explore how technology shapes us for good and bad, and I thought Hank Green also did that through the lens of social media. It felt very fresh, but also deeply connected to the cyberpunk canon, and I loved that. Number two was Paprika by Yasutaka Tsusui. Tsusui? (laughs) This novel is also sci-fi slash thriller about a new technology that allows people to enter each other's dreams. The dream sequences in Remarkable reminded me of this book and were probably my favorite part. Number three was Generation X by Douglas Copeland. Hank Green's narrative voice reminds me of Copeland, very dot-com bro, which can be funny at times but annoying when it goes too far. Copeland's book coined the term Gen X, which clearly caught on, and it captured a moment in culture that was exciting, fun, and terrible all at the same time. I feel like Green managed to do a contemporary version of this, and it resonated with me. I gave this book a 4 out of 5 on Goodreads, ultimately because it had some weak spots with the narration style. Green just doesn't fully understand how women think slash speak, and that held me back from a 5-star review all night long, in parentheses. <laughs> um, this ended up super long. Feel free to abridge it. Ha. Huh? Love you guys. Love the podcast. Hi, Emily. Little tongue face. Ellis. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> I did not know Paprika was a novel. There's also an anime uh, film adaptation of it that is remarkable. (laughs) Is it absolutely remarkable? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a really beautiful adaptation, so I'm excited to know there's a book and maybe I will read it, Ellis. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why I said that like a threat. Like, maybe I'll read this book you said was good. Maybe I'll Um, even fucking like it. You don't know. (laughs) You don't know me. Cool. Hey, BSG, it's your pal and guest hater, Alex from New England. (laughs) Does that mean he hates our guests? No, no, no. Or he's he's a hater. Hater. Of books. Okay. (laughs) Got it. All right. I don't think you mentioned the big twist in an absolutely remarkable thing in your episode. April May spent most of the book acting like she was the center of the universe, and increasingly so as the book wears on. And part of that is that, part of that is just that, by being in her head, we see the world through her eyes. And in the end, it is revealed that she is the most important person in the world. She is the chosen one. All of this is for her. From the very beginning, the Carls orchestrated their initial meeting, saved her life, and probably even gave her their HBO Go (laughs) password. (laughs) The way she treated her friends was justified because, hey, these big menacing alien statues were there to see June July. (laughs) Quick sidebar, y'all discussed how this book felt like YA slash new adult. Is the idea of a chosen one common in those genre realms? What a cool twist. Yes, it is. I don't know. We'll get to that. I mean, it's common in all genres. I would say it's not specific to YA. It's like all genres, but starting with the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just take this one. The back. ultimate genre <laughs> when September October <laughs> came down. <from laughs> yeah. Okay. Sucks for Miranda, who solved most of the puzzles, developed the technology that allowed people to solve the shared dream, and was just used for sex by August <laughs> September. <laughs> So here's my question. And if this has already been asked, you can just make up a better one. What is your favorite reveal slash twist in a book or movie? That's right, gang. Oh, We're no. about to spoil some shit. Thanks, gang. Alex from New oh, England. Shit. I mean, that's, that's, Thank yeah, you for putting in your own yes. spoiler warning. I appreciate yeah. that. Oh, All right. Favorite gosh. twist, people. Oh, man. Tough. That's hard. I can, it's easier for me to think about movies. Yeah. And, yeah, like, do we want to go, like, classic or, like, recent. You know? Whatever your favorite one is. I mean, I always think of Memento. That's, like, mm-hmm. my go-to. But it's not a very interesting choice. <laughs> my go-to is always Psycho. That classic yeah, Alfred Hitchcock gem. Mm-hmm. And it's purely because, like, Susan, you know, you said time is important when you read things and, like, I feel like at the time of my life when I saw Psycho, I was just, like, primed to be really shocked by that. Yeah. Someone spoiled it for me before I saw it, though. I was a, I was a a young bab. I did not know. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with an even less interesting choice than what I (laughs) Let's just get progressively is, less I mean, less like, interesting. Um, so I saw the six. I was just about oh, to no. say, Wait. girl, you why you take my why you? I was just about my, to say, Emily's going to say the six next to be the exact most right time. I think to also be shocked. Like I saw it with my dad, and um, yeah, he had, I saw it with my dad he had too. Seen it. What? So he was like, you've got to see this. Oh, no. And oh. he took me to no, see it. No, my dad and I went to the, the theater and saw it together. And even though I remember my dad saying, like, this new movie has a really cool twist, I still, like, did not see it coming in the least. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was just, like, so scared the whole time. Like, I was really freaked out by it because I was, you know, a kid and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, guys, he was dead the whole time. What? <laughs> the whole yeah, time. Yeah, right. 
the whole time. Like, he thought his wife was just being a bitch, but he was She wasn't dead. even giving him the silent treatment. She was giving him the ghost treatment. Also, she ghosted. <laughs> he ghosted, actually. True. But, um, that movie also has, side note, one of my favorite insults. Um, Bruce Willis calls someone a cheese dick. <laughs> and that I remember That's really very gross. That's the real twist, <laughs> is the cheese dick. I did not remember that, and I am disgusted at you. <laughs> I just think, like, <laughs> disgusted what about you. the dick is cheese? Like, then you start to think about... Like, I guess because it's kind of soft. Look, don't think it's Like, through. all the horrifying implications. Just let it be cheese dick. Mm-hmm. Like, is there crust on it? Is that what... It's soft and smells bad because you know, like, and I don't want to get into this. Y'all know what I'm about to say. I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, what's your twist, Emily? Now that you can't say the sixth sense, she took mine. That's it. It's not fair. Well, I don't know. Like, I could say another one. Like, and now I'm just going to what name some movies with twist endings? Like, that seems dumb. I mean, recently a good twist ending was Us. Yeah. But we kind of knew that that was happening. That's true. But it's still good. Some people didn't. Yeah, but I, I feel like the point wasn't the twist there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think we were supposed to suspect. Well, I think the point should never be the twist, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, the movie should still hold up. Or the book. Oh, I know. Let's, uh, I'm gonna say... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. What? <laughs> say it. I was like thinking of other M. Night Shyamalan movies oh, I could say. The Visit. <laughs> yeah, sign. I'm going to say it, The Visit. <laughs> Those aren't your grandparents. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, I forgot like, about all that right, movie. For real though, y'all, The Visit is awful, but in like the best way. I, I love, love that, that movie. movie. It's really I actually quite like it. It's a great I movie. loved it. And like I was pretty happy I with definitely it. knew what was going to happen at the end. Like the twist wasn't a surprise. But again, if the movie's good, it doesn't matter if the twist is a surprise or not. Like I was still like Yeah. Like so did good. we see it in theaters? Yes. Did, did I love, love it? it? Yes. yes. Would I see it again? One hundred percent. 100%. That's a rewatch right there. You know, there. it's another great oh. horror movie twist. The boy. <laughs> the boy. Ah, oh my god, yes! <laughs> um, I, like, I'm here for... I never oh saw god, the boy. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's he, really dumb. He's a, a real person living in the walls. It's one of the worst, yeah. one of the worst things I've ever seen. I, like, a couple of months ago, I was out to dinner with some people, and one of them started talking about The Boy, and she was like, I don't know if it was a real movie if I just, like, hallucinated it while Netflix was on. I was like, no, it's real. Let's talk about it. <laughs> that, it does feel oh, like that, no. though. I'm thinking of a movie now. Hold on. Do we have any books for this an, for this question? Oh, Good Night, Mommy. No. Oh, I didn't see that. That movie? Have seen Good Night, yeah. Mommy? What? what was the twist? Oh, wait, wait was it the French this is movie not the right one. that the one kid was dead? Yes, yes. Sorry. Okay. Just checking. Good night, Mommy. Yeah, I've seen that one. It's good. Yeah, Mary, we saw that together. Yeah. You guys see all the horror movies together. But didn't... The mother is, like, so terrifying. Yeah. Or you think... I mean, but really, she's not the terrifying part, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, she is for most of it. I liked that movie a lot. <laughs> 
Hey. Oh, you know what's a great this twist? This would be a more contemporary example than no. the Sixth Sense. What? Sorry. What, I have. I finally have a book one, and it's in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban when <gasps> Sirius turns out to not He's be a good guy. what you thought. What a wonderful person. <sighs> the best. Um, yeah. You know, The Visit really should be a book. I would read a novelization of that. It might work better as a book. I would read a novelization of The Visit, just saying. Yeah. If anyone wants to write that, I would buy it. Uh, and pick it for the book book podcast. The, the next feedback is not about a book. It's just really sweet. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Darcy says, Hey, girls, I'm a middle-aged mom who loves your club. You all make me smile, laugh, and read books that I would never read. I recently moved and I'm going to share this podcast with my friends. I am sure to talk to you again. Or I'll yeah. be sure to talk to you again. Thank yeah. you Thanks, so much. Thanks, Darcy. Yeah. That makes me so happy. It makes me happy, too. Because that's mm-hmm. the goal, is just Thank to be you, like a fun book club. Yay. Encouraging okay. reading. I'll read this last one, because I haven't read one yet. Yeah. This is from Jessica at Curly Just Reads. Um... So she says, I read Absolutely Remarkable last year and rated it four straw, four straws, four stars. <laughs> this is why they don't let me four read. Four glowing straws. <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> although it may be a bit strong of a, oh, although Absolutely Remarkable may be a bit strong of a description for my feelings, I did really enjoy this. I love the mystery, the comments on modern internet fame and fame in general, and the snarky storytelling. The main character can be pretty unlikable, but also relatable and pretty realistic for someone who literally overnight becomes a worldwide household name and the face slash voice of this huge thing. I 100% agree with that. And we talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. That was just my aside. I do feel like she grew and learned from her experience. I don't want to say too much and give things away. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) (laughs) Too Um, late. But I would definitely recommend it as a fun modern story. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for sending us feedback. We're like, oh, there's so much feedback this episode, but like, we're really happy about that because yeah, we're into it. We love to hear. You want to know a secret? Yes. There's even more feedback than that. (gasps) Because I saw like somebody comment on Instagram. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. Wait, should we read it? Yeah, we should. Chloe says, "I just finished it." It being an absolutely remarkable thing. It took me a while to get into it and get used to the style. I picked it up and put it down like 30 times. In terms of the voice, some parts felt a little forced, like Green wanted to make sure that we knew that April May is a millennial. Or Gen X? I don't know where the cutoff is. Me either, Chloe. It's mo- she's that, a millennial. But that was also the only part of her identity that I remembered consistently throughout. Along with her being bi and obsessed with attention. But the last two are because it's explicitly stated multiple times. As for the story as a whole, I loved it. Once I got into it, I read it in one day because I was so intrigued by the dream and April May's status as the chosen one. I wanted more of an explanation. Isn't that always the case? Specifically about why she was chosen to unite the whole world. And did she really unite the whole world? Did anything really change? I want to know. It seemed very focused (laughs) on New York and California for a book about union. Like, I wish there would have been international characters. 
The book makes mention of people all over the world working on the dream and different groups of defenders popping up in every country. But unless I miss something, I feel like the only time we really see mentions of something international is one, the bombing, and two, the riots at the end. Sigh. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is more critique than I wanted, and I really did like the story. It's fun and interesting. I just wanted a little more weight to it. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I apologize for the bang that happened in the middle of me reading that. This is why we should let Susan do it. Oh, do not it know what it was. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for the Thank feedback. You. Thanks, everybody. We love you. You killed it. What a great job. See, you, you know when we ask for feedback all the time and y'all don't come through? Y'all came through and we appreciate it and we love it and we'd like to keep we this momentum you. going. So if you have any feedback about the Mars Room, or any of the books that we've read previously, just email us at the squad. Or New Orleans. Yeah, or New Orleans. <laughs> just email us you, at the squad. If you based feedback. Dear Lord, let me get this email out. Email us at the squad at booksquadcult.com. All right, now everyone can talk. Now you know how I feel. Yeah. Look, this is why I let Kelly do this, because I cannot. Sorry, but I still haven't gotten any personal emails about Weekend at Bernie's. Um, yeah, about Weekend at Bernie's. So just like, <laughs> so what's on the open. blog? <laughs> that was rude. What's on the blog? <laughs> there are Bachelorette recaps. What's up? Yes, Bachelorette recaps are happening. Uh-huh. They good. Okay, so I have a post about rewatching the first season of Flavor of Love 15 years later. If that doesn't make you feel old. Um, right now I'm watching the second season, so huh. I, I'm still on this shit, but if you want to read that retrospective, it's on the blog. Are you going to, are you going to do Rock of Love next? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I've been kind of watching it a little bit. Like it's been like on in the background while I've been packing and stuff. Featuring Brett Michaels. Kelly and I had a chat about Booksmart, the debut film of Olivia Wilde. Yes. Also and, I mean, spoiler, we both loved it. We loved it. I mean, it's like the most lovable movie. Yeah. So just go there to see us gush about how much Love we loved it. it and how much I related to that whole thing. I have like a little bit of a girl crush on Beanie Feldstein. I do too. I have a girl I, crush on both of them. I... I love Beanie Feldstein, and if you read my Wheel of Time fan casting post, I cast her as Perrin. Did you know that she's related to Jonah Hill? She is. She's a sister. Also, they were in similar movies. Oh, yeah. So weird. They look alike when you think about it. Yeah, I was just about to say, even further cementing the book smart is the super bad of this generation. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 I can see that. All right. Well, on our next episode, which is an other episode, we are <laughs> going on another trip to <laughs> the inside of your TV. <laughs> yeah, to science to fiction land. land. We are talking about Black Mirror season five, uh, which 
it's going to be very easy to watch along with us because it's only three yeah. episodes. So Just three. And I, having only ever seen one other episode what? of Black Mirror ever, am somehow going what? to lead this discussion. I can, I can <laughs> lead it. What? I didn't know that. What? No, it's fine. <laughs> Are you sure? I got it. Because. What? I've seen all of okay. it. What? Why have you not watched the other Black... What other Black Mirror episodes did you watch? Uh, the one that Bryce Dallas Howard Yeah, that's in. a good one. Yeah, there's so many that are better. That's not even the best one. You gotta watch San Junipero. San Junipero is so good. The best one it to me is the one with Donald Gleason. I think that one's really good too. The point to take away from this is Black Mirror is an episodic episode or is an episodic series, anthology series. So like, if you haven't seen any other Black Mirror, you can just pop in and watch these eps with us. It's fine. Yeah, and then <laughs> you should definitely go back and watch the other ones. Yeah, I mean, I will. You don't have if you're to, but you yell should. At me the whole time, I'll definitely do it. I a hundred percent will. That's okay. Between ben hasn't seen season, all of them either. I think some of the episodes you know. are just okay. No, some of them suck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, suck. obviously. Obviously, but some of them are just okay. It's That's the kind of, like, what you get with something like this. Another great one but, was like, the some of Star really Trek good. episode, I thought. Mm-hmm. I oh, actually, I saw the second half of that episode, too. I just didn't realize the it was second, back here when I was watching it. half? Yeah, I went over to Justin's this was yeah. a while ago, and he was watching it, and I was like, I wonder what he's watching, and then at the end, he was like, oh, this is Black Mirror, and I was like, wow, I had no idea. <laughs> so. so Justin just allowed you to come in and, and start watching the middle of a Black Mirror episode, and he didn't, like, rewind it or, like, explain what was going on? Um, no, because <laughs> I started doing crossword puzzle, as I do, um, and he can't stop something once he started it, so... He just finished the episode, and I knew this about him. That's why I did my crossword puzzle. I see. Well, you should go back and watch it. Okay. I'm going to make you a <laughs> list of my favorite ups. Okay. Yeah. You should definitely watch San Junipero, because even explaining that episode makes me cry. It's beautiful. It's so wonderful. Okay. And uplifting, mm-hmm. but also not. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is uplifting. But wait, is it? <laughs> I wish everyone could see in his face when she just did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. That's what, that's what and the John Ham Christmas special. <laughs> that one is so good. That's the Black Christmas. Right, we can't yeah. have the episode right okay, now. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we're going to have it next time. Okay, so after that, we're going to do another book episode, which is. We are? That's my book. Uh, the book is Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes, who you may know from Pop Culture Happy Hour slash... Very Hour. excited. We're going to have a guest on this episode. Oh, yeah. Is Liberty Hardy is going yeah. to be guesting. Woo! We're very excited. Um, I work with Liberty Hardy over at Book Riot. She's super awesome. She loves this book. Hopefully we love it, too, so then I don't feel bad about... Inviting her on, she's, and then, like, we all hate the book, book, and she likes it. So. Yeah, so she is, she, yeah, bibliologist. But she <laughs> is going to talk a little bit about TBR as well, which is something y'all know I work for, too. Yeah. So you'll hear about that. 
But yeah, I um have fairly high expectations for this book. I, I also I love, love Linda Holmes. Holmes. So, She's so smart and witty and just like a wonderful presence. And she has great taste yes. in things. So I always like hope that when someone has great taste, they will create a thing. And she's been working on it for so long. So I'm just like, I feel good about it. But also, I don't want to like, you know, put too much expectation on it. I mean, no pressure, but you just talked it up for a really long time. No pressure, but lots of pressure. So you should read it with us. Uh, It's definitely going to be, I think, like a crowd pleaser. It's like a, a romance, good summer read book. So... Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well. And you can follow us on social media at BookSquadGoals on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at thesquad at BookSquadGoals.com, as Emily already said. You can visit us. Yeah, but you did it a lot better than I did. Presence on the web at www.BookSquadGoals.com. And if you add a little slash blog onto that, you can visit our blog or just click the button that says blog. (laughs) So incredible. That's the internet, kids. Oh, also, please rate and review. Okay. Okay. Cool, this is fun. (laughs) Okay, bye.